What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. This is episode 127 here, and it is your week four NAIA Women's Flag Football recap here. We're going to talk about all the games that went on this last week, uh, talk power rankings, talk Playmakers of the Week, talk uh, a little bit of high school, uh, girls high school flag football as well as some states are getting started. Uh, so yeah, but you know, let's go ahead and get into this and talk about the games that happened this last week. We had some pretty big matchups here that would decide some of these power rankings, at least in that top five, top six for now. So let's hop into it. First things first, March 4th was last Friday, uh, at least to us, that's when the new week starts, week four, and in that week, on that day, we had Kansas Wesleyan, they were going to play two games this day, one against Ottawa, and then the other one versus Cotty, so let's talk about the one versus Ottawa first, so that one actually started kind of close, the score was 19-0 to Ottawa going into the half, thanks, you know, in part to three first half touchdowns to their quarterback, Madison Carrera, uh, two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown there, she was on fire, per usual, doing her thing, but for the most most part, not too bad, you know, uh, Kansas, or sorry, Ottawa, you know, they're averaging something crazy, like 40 plus points a game, you know, and so, that's just slightly below average, uh, for halftime and whatnot, but really, it's only three touchdowns, and, you know, if you're Kansas Wesleyan, you can live with that, going into the third quarter, the mindset had to be, hey, let's just get a score in the third, and then we could, probably score twice in the fourth if we need to and get these conversions and we'll go from there and that's what they would do Kansas Wesleyan would score in the third quarter making it 19 to 6 and from what it looks like here they would actually hold Ottawa to zero points in that third quarter and so here we are in the fourth quarter you know basically Kansas Wesleyan they just gotta finish the other part of this game here you know allow zero points and score two touchdowns and they could unfortunately not get it done as Madison Carrera quarterback for Otto would have a big fourth quarter where she would score two of the three touchdowns uh in this game here i believe Alyssa linkus would find uh clara bodaway on a pass or something like that um as well that would be the third touchdown but that would be enough to put away kansas wesleyan as they would not be able to score anymore um in this fourth quarter and they would fall to ottawa 39 to 6 in a relatively close one leading up into the fourth quarter Ottawa, on the other hand, continuing to uh, look strong and dominant, defending their title here in this 2022 season. Uh, some players that stood out, obviously, you have the quarterback, Madison Carrera, 20 of 34 for 211 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, no interceptions, very efficient there. Uh, on the ground, she also rushed uh, five times for about 15 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, her receivers, uh, they they did a very good job here. Alyssa Link is leading all receivers with eight receptions, 144 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. And then you have Jaslyn Camacho, uh, four receptions, 
36 receiving yards, and the hat trick in receiving touchdowns. She had three in that game that would go ahead and uplift Ottawa over Kansas Wesleyan. Now, you got to remember, this was a game that was scheduled kind of late and whatnot. I'm sure, um, I, I don't know if this is going to supplement another game late in the season or if it's just going to be added to the schedule, but Ottawa, they were kind of preparing for this kind of at the last second here. They weren't really planning on playing them. Or at least on this specific day. And obviously same with Kansas Wesleyan. Who had a pretty big win uh, a couple of days before. So very impressive win for Ottawa. They're going to take this one. Um, it looks like actually they were supposed to play Midland. Uh, in Midland on March 11th. I'm looking at their schedule right now. At the time I'm recording this. It is March 10th. That game looks to be cancelled. And so they will actually begin their play. Against uh, a bunch of Florida schools. They're going to go to Florida on a little road trip. Next week March 15th and 16th so that's uh, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, they're going to be playing a couple Florida schools out there and so that's Warner University Thomas and Weber International those are obviously big implication games that we'll talk about at the end of this episode when talking about games to look out for in week five moving on though we have Cody College versus Kansas Wesleyan this game was scheduled on time just moved a little bit back here and this would actually be a pretty close game starting in the first quarter here Cotty College would actually force a nice three and out to start the game uh, on defense and so they will get the ball back from Kansas Wesleyan they would eventually punt on this drive uh, mostly because of a miscue to start the drive with a snap the snap was dropped and so that will kind of put Cotty in a tough situation there and so that like I said would result in a punt and so Kansas Wesleyan would have the ball here and here we go here Rihanna Hernandez Silva uh, quarterback for Kansas Wesleyan would scramble for the first down to kind of get the first down of this game and get KWU going here uh, she would also get them into Cotty territory but they would bring up a fourth down situation this Cotty defense holding up pretty strong here for the most part and by the way playing without their captain Kenzie Murdoch who did not seem to be out on the field uh, I saw pictures of her in street clothes it looked like so she was not available for this game hoping she'll be available for the next one though and so there you go but like I said Cotty College they would force a fourth down situation uh, Silva would try to scramble for that first down on fourth but Gabby Bastidas would stop her short for Cotty and force a turnover on downs. Cotty is back on offense. And here we go. Emily Kane, quarterback from Cotty College, finds her receiver, Alyssa Hollis, for a nice, and I mean beautiful, pass right down the middle it was a nice little post route it looked like right between the safeties Kane finds Hollis and Hollis takes it 40 plus yards to the house for a touchdown Cotty not only getting the first conversion of the game but also scoring their first touchdown of this game and taking their first lead of the 2022 season period they would also get the conversion by passing it to the receiver erica roberts and just like that Cotty goes up seven to zero in the driver's seat early on here and that would be it for the first quarter 
Going into the second quarter, Kansas Wesleyan in another fourth down situation. This Cotty College giving them some fits here. Um, they would throw a bad incompletion. Uh, the passers was not there and it was inaccurate, but... Unfortunately, a pass interference call on Cotty would give KWU the first down, and that would be some of the momentum that KWU would need and use here as uh, Brianna Hernandez-Silva would pitch it to number three, Alexis Jimenez, who would go ahead and scramble to get into the red zone, and then after that, the quarterback would run it in herself, for a Kansas Wesleyan touchdown. Unfortunately, there would be a bad snap on the conversion. And so, like most of y'all know, there are no fumbles in flag football. Once the ball hits the ground, it is a dead ball. And so, there you go. That's how that goes for Kansas Wesleyan. Cotty's still up 7-6, to six, uh, getting the ball here in the second quarter but unfortunately another bad error here um, a false start to start this drive will kind of put Cotty in a tough situation they would go three and out and punt it back to Kansas Wesleyan um, but unfortunately there would be a personal foul on this punt that would put Kansas Wesleyan in the red zone uh, basically and so here's how it goes down uh, Cotty's number four I believe it's Cristela uh, Jean Justy, or Justy, I, I, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, because I honestly think I am saying that wrong, but she would be putting a lot of pressure on Silva to throw the ball quickly, and so she would really not have many chances to just set and throw here, and so that would actually bring up a fourth and goal for Kansas Wesleyan, struggling because of some of this pressure here, um, and it would be a fourth and goal after Bastidas would make a nice flag pull uh, to stop them short here, and so on fourth down, this Cotty defense would actually stand strong as Silva aims for the corner of the end zone, but would just not be able to fit it into that tight window. And so Cotty gets a nice goal line stand and takes over, still with the lead 7-6 to six here uh, in the second quarter. Cotty's offense this time around, you know, they're not making too many bad mistakes. They are driving down the field. They get a first down right before the two-minute warning, putting them in a good spot with a fresh set of downs. Uh, and then and then after this two-minute warning, Emily Kane would actually pitch it to Alyssa Hollis, who would go ahead and get a nice 10-plus yard gain that would make it a fourth and short but unfortunately, there is a flag on this play, though. Uh, it's unnecessary roughness on Cotty, and so not only would uh, that game, that play, be taken away, but they would be farther away, and so they would repeat third down. Cotty would not be able to put together another good string. Well, two good plays in a row here uh, that will get them the necessary yardage needed for that first down and so they would end up punting kind of you know still working some things out on offense here you have a couple of mistakes that probably shouldn't be happening in uh, so here we go Kansas Wesleyan you know they have a nice return on the punt they're in Cotty territory but 
unfortunately, they could not find the receivers. Uh, they took a couple, I want to say two or three deep shots down the field into the red zone, but they would be missing the receivers. Just a little inaccurate, you know, there. And so there you go. That would be the end of the first quarter. Cotty leading 7-6, to six, their first lead, like I said, uh, at all this season. And then going into the second half, this is the first lead they have um, going into the second half ever, I believe. So there you go there. To start the third quarter, Cotty does start on offense here, but unfortunately, after a pretty big play here, uh, they would call flag guarding on them uh, on that first play, and that would push Cotty back and erase it, and that will kind of kill some momentum for this Cotty offense here, who obviously feeds off of that uh, momentum and just getting into rhythm, as do most offenses, that's a normal thing, um, but unfortunately, they can't get it going, and they would punt it back to uh, Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, shout out to Kendra Monroe of Kansas Wesleyan. She made a couple good plays as well. So it wasn't just like Cotty was shooting themselves in the foot. You know, Kansas Wesleyan was playing good defense. But, you know, Cotty's defense would go ahead and return the favor here. You know, they would come up pretty strong and stop Kansas Wesleyan in their tracks on offense, it seemed. Just doing a good job of flag pulling on run plays, not giving them too much yardage there. Um, Kansas Wesleyan would throw on their next two plays after running it two times and they would not get it and so that would basically end the KWU drive with a turnover on downs thanks to a strong performance from this Cotty defense. Now Cotty on offense you know if they could get another score here they could put this one away and so here we go it is third down Number 13 and number 11 from Kansas Wesleyan would go ahead and get to Kane for a big sack here. Number 13 and number 11 for Kansas Wesleyan. That is Kendra Velasquez uh, Monroe and Courtney Dinkle, respectively. So there you go. They would force a big sack here, which would eventually force a three and out and a punt. So Cotty kind of struggling to move the ball here as it's a defensive game at this point here. But here we go, Kansas Wesleyan. You know, they got to get something going here if they want to break this little stalemate they got going on. And so the quarterback, Silva, finds number 13, Monroe Velasquez. Uh, who gets the first down and moves the ball into Cotty territory. Uh, they would go ahead and hand it off to number 13, who would rush for about 10 more yards and get into the red zone. And then right after that, they would score a touchdown, throwing to number 5, uh, Kui Wiley, who would give Kansas Wesleyan the first lead of the game. They would not get the... Um, conversion though and so it would only be 12 to 7 here if Cotty scores a touchdown they would win the game and so there you go uh but here we go we're in the fourth quarter Cotty has the ball you know Kansas Wesleyan on the play uh, just previous to this first play in the fourth quarter committed a personal foul that would give Cotty a new set of downs uh, and then they would also commit defensive holding right after that so Cotty gets a couple yards thanks to Kansas Wesleyan here um, moving down the field regardless though and so here we go Kane finds her girl um, Angelina Cruz who battles for the reception and gets a nice set of downs to get 
into Kansas Wesleyan territory. So getting that first down on a pretty controversial play. I, I don't know if it was picked or if it was a reception, but they ruled it a reception. Uh, Cruz did a good job securing that one. And then Kane would find uh, Bastidas on a sweet pass over the middle to go ahead and put Cotty in the red zone in a very good situation with, um, honestly, with a chance to go ahead and take back the lead and potentially win this game. But unfortunately, Emily Kane for Cotty College would just throw a bad interception here. Uh, just not a good one to number zero, Angel Roman here of Kansas Wesleyan, who just who also makes a good play. You know, I think Kane was trying to go over the middle, maybe one time too many here, and she just got caught up in it, and so that's unfortunate here. And so Kansas Wesleyan has the ball with the lead. We're looking to ice away the rest of this game here. Uh, a touchdown would basically put this one away. And so if you're in their minds, that's probably what they're trying to do here. You know, not only are they trying to use up as much of the clock as possible, but a touchdown would basically put this one away, uh, just seeing how these defenses are playing. And so here we go. They hand it off to Monroe, um, who would get a first down for Kansas Wesleyan. After that, an Ashley Hawthorne reception would get KWU close to midfield um, and then after that they would pitch it to Monroe who would break a pitch for about 20-ish yards getting onto the other side of the field they would give her the ball again she would get about 10 more yards making it about first and goal here and then this is where they would go ahead and put this game away Silva finds Marissa Rubino who just runs a nice route and catches the touchdown on a slant route. Um, and then uh, Kansas Wesleyan, they would go ahead and get the conversion, making it 19-7 to with about four minutes left in this game. So Cotty, you know, if they if they want to win it, they got to score. And then after that, they got to hope for a great another great defensive stop here, probably a three and out, to go ahead and get the ball back and then potentially score again. So there's still hope for Cotty College here. But Kansas Wesleyan had an excellent drive here. You know, very well coached, just putting away this Cotty team for now, going up by two scores. And so here's how it goes down. Uh, Emily Kane at quarterback for Cotty College, trying to shake off that last interception here. And so she takes a shot down the field, but it is underthrown there. You know, Kansas Wesleyan did call the right defensive play in this moment. And Silva would go ahead and intercept it and set up Kansas Wesleyan in Cotty territory and end this game. At least basically they would end this game as they would run out the rest of the clock. And Kansas Wesleyan survives a potential upset here, winning 19-7. to You know, being down 7-6 to going into half and then coming back and scoring two big touchdowns off of some nice, uh, just offensive drives in general their quarterback Brianna uh, Hernandez Silva had a very nice game this game you know um, had all three of Kansas Wesleyan's touchdowns had a rushing touchdown and had two passing touchdowns as well and so uh you know they tough it out now Cotty here they did a very good job gotta give them a lot of credit here defensively they're doing their job you know um honestly on pretty much any other day this defensive performance would have been enough to win them this game and like I said this is without Kenzie Murdoch who you know you add her back in and they'll get better you know, they'll get better on defense, obviously. Uh, so there you go. This defense did a good job just putting Cotty in situations, um, you know, that was favorable to them and stepping up even as well. 
offensively, you know, obviously you need some work. There were a couple times where, you know, they would just go three and out despite having a chance to go ahead and score and, you know, extend this lead to a two-score lead. Even if you didn't score, you know, at least don't go three and out, you know. At the very least, you want to, you know, have the game clock game clock going and whatnot so that you know time is being used up here at the very least but unfortunately that didn't happen and then obviously you know in that fourth quarter you had some big plays here on offense um that kind of affected the game you know you had that red zone interception which was just a great interception by angel roman i mean kansas wesleyan they're pretty good uh in the red zone when it comes to defense for the most part Cotty hasn't really found themselves in too many red zone situations uh even that touchdown they threw that was like a 40 yard bomb so you know there's not too much you could do there uh and then obviously as well you do have that interception down the sideline where they tried to take a shot it just wasn't there and so there you go Cotty, they will continue to learn here, but still very impressed here defensively. I mean, we've been new. We know that their defense is solid. They have Daniela Goodridge out there. They have uh, Kenzie Murdoch out there, obviously. Uh, Gabby Bastidas, she made a lot of big plays, uh, it felt like, in this game. Alyssa Hollis was out there as well making plays. And so, you know, Cotty College, you know, they should be proud of this performance for now. They're on a break. I don't think they play this week. Uh, they'll play the following week, I believe. So, so there you go there. But Kansas Wesleyan does get the dub, survives the upset, and wins 19-7. And so that would be it for March 4th games. Let's move on to March 5th, Saturday here. We have St. Thomas versus Florida Memorial University, the Battle of Miami Gardens. Definitely a rivalry game. Obviously, both these colleges in the same city, so how could it not be? And so here we go. FMU, they um, they start on offense, but unfortunately, they would go ahead and punt it going three and out here. And so St. Thomas, they have the ball. Holly Nahar, uh, she would find her receiver, Tyler Bryant, on a nice little hitch route, who would go ahead and turn it upfield for about 20 yards. So very good job from Bryant there. She would then go back to Bryant and find her deep for a 20-plus yard reception. These two plays would go ahead and put STU in the red zone early on in this game. And so here we go, STU, they have the momentum here. But FMU's Erica Johnson comes up with a nice interception off of a tipped ball uh, on a slant route here. Uh, the receiver obviously was uh, running the slant, couldn't bring it in. Ball was tipped. Erica Johnson makes a nice heads-up play and goes ahead and shuts down that drive and gets a nice interception there. And then here we go, FMU, they're back on offense here, and they take a couple shots down the field. And honestly, these shots are open. Um, each of these throws, the receivers had at least 5 to 10 yards of separation, which is a lot. But unfortunately, they were overthrown here. Uh, I believe it was third or fourth down here where the quarterback would eventually just scramble, but they would not get it, and that would end with them punting the ball back to STU here. Just barely missing some opportunities to potentially score and take the lead in this game. And so here we go. STU, you know, they take the field here uh, and they sack Holly Nahar here. But no worries. She would find her receiver, Destiny Francois, 
who just makes a very good play here and goes ahead um, and, you know, brings in the reception for about 20 yards over the middle. This would bring up a fourth and short for STU here. You know, uh, just a couple yards to get. But this Florida Memorial defense stands strong and just stops them straight up on fourth down. That would end the first quarter. Uh, a very, very exciting first quarter here. But it is still 0-0 zero to zero here in the first quarter of this battle of Miami Gardens. But to start off the second quarter uh fmu's quarterback just makes an ill-advised throw as number three stu's rayona baker picks it off and has also a nice 25 yard return but florida memorial not to be outdone quite yet number 19 that is uh thamely's santos i want to say she would get a nice interception of her own but unfortunately, they would call pass interference on that play and call it back. So SCU still has the ball here. And so Holly Nahar, quarterback, finds Tyler Bryant, a receiver, who goes ahead and bowls her way into the red zone on a nice catch on a slant route. Very tough running there to go ahead and a body and get into the red zone here. And then Holly Nahar would find Destiny Francois on a nice slant route for a touchdown. They would miss the conversion, but doesn't matter. SCU takes Takes the lead 6-0. Not the worst situation if you're FMU here. You know, you just got to get going on offense. And they try. They're taking shots down the field. But they're just not connecting or getting anything despite the receivers being open. You know, we're I'm, I'm looking at some of these plays, man. And look, there's at least two or three plays where these receivers are wide. But the quarterback just straight up misses. You know, and so uh, there you go there. Um, they try to get a first down by scrambling. And they do. But then they go back to the pass game. And it's just not clicking for some reason here, you know, uh, I, I don't know what's going on, but it's just not clicking. And so they do hit a short route on third down, but couldn't get the first. And so they go ahead and try to punt it on fourth, but they drop the punt too. So <laughs> that's not good. And so STU takes over in FMU territory here, and they do not take this advantage for granted as Holly Nahar, she's pushing the pace here, finds Destiny Francois one more time who makes a catch through contact, by the way. You know, just a very strong catch. Bunch of hands uh, in her vicinity. A uh, bunch of bodies there as well. But makes a nice catch there. And then runs 30 yards to the house. They will then throw it to Tyler Bryant, who gets the conversion. And just like that, SCU goes up by two scores. 13 to zero here and then we got fmu they're back on offense um they drop a reverse play which obviously like i said there's no fumbles and flag it's just dead when it touches the ground and so obviously they lose a couple yards there and that kind of sets them back and they cannot get it together as they will punt it back here and so here we go holly nahar really trying to push you know push the pace here takes her shot to number 22 Dejanice Paris makes a nice catch and puts SU basically right on the goal line, maybe two or three yards to go. At least that's what it looked like uh, to me. And then uh, Holly, she would go back to Dejanice Paris on a fade route, and she would just go up and get it for a touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Uh, and then right after that, they would find Rayona Baker for the conversion. She's just alone in the back of the end zone. I think that's a miscommunication there. And just like that, after a couple plays, STU already up 20-0. to zero. Florida Memorial will then take over on offense, but will drop another reverse 
four loss. Uh, they would recover and find a short pass for an eventual first down with about a minute 30 left in the half. But number 11 for St. Thomas, that is Shallon Chai. She would go ahead and snag an interception. Um, that was tipped first off, and that would basically end the half. STU up 20-0 here in the Battle of Miami Gardens. Going into the third quarter is where STU would basically pull away here on the second play of the game. St. Thomas's uh, Janiah Palmer would go ahead and snag another interception for St. Thomas. Uh, right after that, Holly Nahar would find a receiver, Rayona Baker, for a short touchdown. Who, by the way, makes a nice snag on that touchdown. Wouldn't get the conversion, but they're up. 26 to 0 or at least it looks like uh looks that way but there is a flag thrown on fmu so st thomas gets another chance and they throw it to destiny francois who gets the conversion and makes it 27 to 0 now fmu they're struggling on offense they would eventually give it back to uh st thomas here and so uh in this quarter here they put in their backup julian yolkowski she's in she finds riona baker two times and on the second time it's an excellent touchdown pass by baker and then on the conversion is when i knew this game was over and <laughs> funny enough is when the stream would end uh the quarterback yulkowski would just break a defender's ankles and i'm not gonna throw out a number or anything like that but she definitely dropped her and then rolls in for the touchdown stu goes up 34 to 0 uh, the announcers were going wild like absolutely insane and i don't know if they meant to do this but they also accidentally stopped the live stream right after that after um they went wild over that play there at that point the game was basically over here stu would win 46 to 6 here winning the battle of miami gardens one definitely has to wonder, you know, if FMU connected on some of those deep passes, which were the right plays and whatnot. And, you know, players were open to make those plays. Uh, one has to wonder if they connected on a couple of those, how close this game would be as it kind of just slipped away. You know, first quarter, it was tied. Second quarter, you're really only down 20 to zero, you know, um, and they just couldn't get it done. You know, just a lot of miscues on offense. Well, maybe not too much. I would say mostly it came down to the deep passes not being completed. And then those fumbles on those reverse plays. That happened a lot on those reverse plays. That had to be frustrating as, you know, though they were the right plays. I mean, they would have gone in a couple of yards, but uh, they did it because the play didn't get a chance. And so FMU, you know, uh, still continue, continuing to get better offensively. They, I mean, they could definitely clean up a lot here. And so we'll see how they adjust moving on to next week. STU, on the other hand, gets a pretty big dub here. You know, definitely some struggles to kind of start. A little bit of a slow start here, but they got it going here. A lot of great interceptions, great catches. Uh, the quarterback, Holly Nahari, she did win uh, Sun Conference Player of the Week, so congrats to her. Obviously, she is in the running for Playmaker of the Week for us as well as she was just on fire she has taken over this offense and honestly i mean she's dangerous out here she's a quarterback that you know they could potentially win the conference with and win the national championship with and you know what we will see as stu does take on kaiser uh, at the time i'm recording this it is 
Well, at this point in the podcast, right now it is March 10th, exactly noon, and so they'll be playing in four hours here, and so I'll talk about that game here in a little bit, but real quick, before we talk about that, I want to talk about some other games that happened on Saturday here. On that same Saturday, you had Thomas uh, versus Weber here. Uh, these games, well, these two games I'm going to talk about here uh, would take place at the Buccaneers preseason classic. So basically this is like an event um, hosted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, by the way, I assume, uh, where high school flag football teams and Florida basically come together and it's their preseason. They play a couple games, uh, they do their thing there. Thomas, Weber, and Warner, uh, they wanted to play their games here at this preseason classic uh, just so, you know, they could uh, they could go ahead and get their names out there, showcase themselves to some of these high schoolers and whatnot. And obviously, they're already there to recruit, um, I would assume, high schoolers for their squad. And so it just kind of all worked out. Uh, unfortunately, it was not live streamed, and so I am going off of what I was able to find here. Uh, basically, though, Thomas, they play Weber first. This was a close game early on here. Thomas would go ahead and go up, I believe, 13-0 to uh, over Weber. They would be leading 13-0 to over Weber going into halftime. Uh, one of the big plays, a highlight play that you can find on uh, their Twitter and then on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Foundation Twitter is this excellent play. Brittany Delva catches the ball. She breaks into open space, breaks a couple tackles here, um, makes a couple people miss, more like is what I should say here. Nice throw by Shelby Hartley too, by the way. And then goes ahead and flips it to Kiara Knight, who would go ahead and finish this play. Uh, she would have two spin moves, by the way, before she would flip it. And Kiara Knight would score on this long touchdown that had to be a backbreaker for Weber here. Weber would score here in the second half but it would be not it would not be enough as Thomas would win a close one 13 to 7 over a Weber team that you know is struggling on offense and whatnot or at least continuing to struggle a little bit on offense here um, Thomas though just playing excellent defense uh, on this day in general so obviously nothing to be ashamed of the second game of the day was Thomas versus Warner. Warner obviously coming off a loss last week, you know, trying to get it going again after a pretty hot start here. But Thomas would actually win this one 14-0. Once again, playing excellent defense, you know, and this is a Warner offense that is very productive. You know, led by Madison Tingen over there and Cynthia Holmes and uh, all these other great players over there. I mean, you know, this is a good Warner team. And so, Thomas, they definitely buck up defensively. Um, specifically, Janae Scott, who I believe won Defensive Player of the Week uh, in the Sun Conference. Uh, so, congrats to her. She would have a huge 40-yard pick six in this game that would kind of bury uh, Warner here. And so Thomas goes 2-0 this weekend uh, here in Florida, getting some very quality dubs against a Warner team. You know, that that's good, obviously. And then against a Weber team, that's continuing to reel just a little bit here. But this Thomas University team, I mean, I talked about them in the preseason. I said, don't be surprised if they make some noise here and uh, make a deep push here in the conference playoffs and you know in nationals as well they're a threat to be reckoned with for sure all right and now we have our last game of 
week four that is being played today march 10th uh that is kaiser versus saint thomas saint thomas traveling to kaiser for this big matchup here and here's how it goes down kaiser starts with the ball and Roden gets them going and drives them into saint thomas territory she would then find her running back emma wagman who makes a couple players miss for a nice 10 plus yard reception or so that puts them on the 15 and in the red zone and then after that Jasmine Roden would throw the ball to her receiver Adriana Cavallotti who just makes a really good play off of a hitch route uh, but is stopped just short of the end zone they basically grab her flag on the one but uh, it does not matter here uh, Jasmine Roden would find her running back Emma Wagenman first off this ball was tipped at the goal line and Wagenman just made an excellent play and caught the tipped pass for a touchdown uh, unfortunately Kaiser would throw an incompletion on that conversion but they would still have the lead 6-0 with about seven minutes left in the first now st thomas they have the ball holly nair she's at quarterback she finds dejanice paris who gets them to about the 30 but they get stopped around midfield after a couple plays and do end up punting um the last two plays of that drive probably should have been picked but are not and so scu get kind of gets away with it and punts the ball here and then here we go kaiser they have the ball Roden, uh, it's third down. She tries to scramble after getting forced out the pocket. And then she tries to pitch the ball here, but the pitch is kind of low and is dropped. And so that kind of brings up a fourth down situation. And Kaiser decides to punt it, and that would basically end the first quarter now here in the second quarter st thomas still struggling a little bit here really can't get anything going on th on this possession here and so they go through and out and punt the ball back to kaiser now kaiser you know having a couple offensive struggles of their own they try to go to adriana cavallotti uh one of those passes was deep she dropped it the second one was a short like slant route and she would drop it but no worries there they would dump it off to their freshman quarterback Haley Young who then throws it to Kennedy Foster makes an excellent pass by the way just fits it in a real tight window on that crossing route and Kennedy Foster is able to get her feet down and gets that first down just barely though and then here we go we're in STU territory Kaiser Jasmine Roden rips a nice pass to the back of the end zone a nice little 20 plus yard strike to Adriana Cavallotti who forgets those uh, two dropped passes earlier on and makes up for it for a really nice catch here uh, just goes up and gets it and then gets her feet inbounds uh, right before stepping out here and so there you go Kaiser scores on that touchdown and then uh, Jasmine Roden would find Allison Goldsby on another tight throw for a conversion and just like that Kaiser's up 13 to 0 with about 6 minutes 27 seconds left in the second but here we go we got st thomas holly nair she is trying to force the ball down the field a little bit too much in my opinion here and one time she does throw it down the field and sydney woodman of kaiser does field that interception but luckily enough it is called back thanks to a personal foul uh, that they called on kaiser and so stu lives for another day but here we go they are in a fourth and sixth situation holly nair does throw to destiny francois who was really close to the out of bounds I, it, 
I wasn't sure if she had her feet in bounds or not. She definitely tried to toe tap it in, but the refs call it out and Kaiser takes over here with a chance to go ahead and go up by three scores here before the half ends. Also with a short field as well, with the shortest field they've had all day. And so here we go. Jasmine Roden throws another dump off pass to Emma Wagenman, who's having a pretty good game so far here. She makes a couple players miss and gets a really nice 18-yard gain. You know, not the greatest uh, flag pulling from STU here, but Wagenman just makes a play here and puts Kaiser in the end zone, basically. And so here we go on first down. St. Thomas's Dejanese Pairs does get a nice uh, tipped pass here, breaking up the pass and uh, using up that first down for Kaiser there. Then Roden would find Wagman on a little dump off. Uh, she gained about a yard or two, nothing crazy uh, there. And then after that, there would be another incompletion. And so then that would bring up fourth and goal for Kaiser. At this point, Kaiser does decide to let the clock wind down a little bit. There's about 50 seconds left. They get it down to around 18 seconds. A couple timeouts are called to scheme and whatnot between Kaiser and STU. And then here we go. It is fourth and goal here. Jasmine Roden tries to throw this fade route, but Toshumba Washington of St. Thomas just makes an Excellent interception here to go ahead and kill that drive. And SDU would kneel going into the half. Kaiser does leave uh, this game at this point 13-0. to uh, But St. Thomas only down two scores with a chance to come back here potentially and get an upset. Here we go, starting the third quarter, St. Thomas does have the ball, and they have uh, Holly Nair and Rayona Baker splitting time at quarterback on this drive here. Nair would start, uh, complete a pass here and there, and then Rayona Baker would go in. She would run a couple speed option plays, get a couple yards here, not, not nothing crazy, but on third and 17, they would put in Holly Nahir. They did get a first down up until this point and uh, she would almost throw an interception to Cavallotti but it is dropped and also luckily enough they do call a penalty and so they repeat third down but that plat that passes down the sideline and it is incomplete and so St. Thomas the struggles on offense continuing uh, they go ahead and punt it. Now you have Kaiser here you know they couldn't go up by three sco scores before half but one would basically think if they go up by three scores at any point in the second half then that would basically be game here so that's the goal here and so here we go Jasmine Roden she does try to scramble and pitch it but unfortunately her receiver is not behind her um, it's a spot foul here in flag football and so uh, it's only second and two for Kaiser so nothing too crazy and it doesn't matter that much as Jasmine Rhoda does find Emma Wagonman who goes ahead and gets that first down here but after a couple plays it is fourth and 12 for Kaiser the St. Thomas defense playing well here and so here's how it goes down you have Roden at quarterback you have Young uh, just uh, kind of closer to the sideline here as a safety valve here and so here's what happens Roden gets a snap, throws it to Haley Young, Haley Young draws in that pressure, throws it back to Roden, and then Roden, under pressure, releases an excellent throw, um, aiming towards the right sideline to Chloe Griffin, who is 101 
Personally, I didn't know if the ball was going to be accurate enough and get it just over the defender. And honestly, I don't think Chloe Griffin knew either as she did go up for it. And it was a perfect pass, but I don't think she was expecting it. And unfortunately, it is dropped. And St. Thomas, fortunately for them, takes over um, after a failed fourth down conversion here that probably should have been converted. So here we go. You know, STU, they want to take advantage of that, of that momentum. And so Holly, she does find number 22, Dejanice Paris, who makes a move and gets a nice 20-plus yard reception just about here. Um, Kaiser is also called for holding on this same play. And so just like that, STU is in the red zone with about 15 or so to go here. Now on first down, they do throw the ball. Um, Kaiser, Samaya Bryant, she kind of drops an interception here. I think Holly here was under pressure, and she kind of tried to force it into a crossing route that just wasn't there. But... Regardless, it's still an incompletion. On second down, though, she does throw to Destiny Francois, who does get a couple yards, makes it a little bit more manageable. Then you have third down here. Uh, Holly Nahir tries to go to Tyler Bryant on the slant route, but it is broken up. Very good defense by Kaiser here, who is known to lock up in the red zone, especially just because of how big and long this team is, and obviously how athletic this team is in general. Now, fourth quarter, uh, beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, St. Thomas has the ball. It is fourth and goal here. Holly Nair throws to Destiny Francois, but Kaiser's Sydney Woodman makes a pretty big play and deflects the ball and kills that drive. And so Kaiser has the ball with the chance to potentially put this one away at the very least they could you know use up some of the clock here and so here's what happens after a couple plays they're at about midfield and this is when Jasmine Roden really steps up here and under pressure she is getting blitzed right here throws an absolute dot deep and I mean deep a perfect throw to Adriana Cavallotti for a 40 plus yard touchdown throw this will basically end the game here uh there would be a low snap on the extra point it's basically a fumble and like i said you know fumbles means dead balls and so kaiser doesn't get the conversion but they do go up 19 to 0 s to you uh and holly nair they keep her in they try to take a couple deep shots but honestly there's just nothing there and they would turn it over on downs and kaiser at this point would go ahead and put in their backup quarterback Haley young who will get some uh, reps here and run out the clock as kaiser does win a close one 19 to 0 at least a lot closer than it looks uh, probably not playing their best game here but defensively they really stood up here and made it tough for um, St. Thomas to just move the ball in general and you know get get easy plays and stuff like that and so there you go there so that is all the games from week four here in this 2022 NAI women's flag football season. Week five is going to be pretty big. There are a lot of games here. Uh, we're going to see a lot of teams that we haven't heard too much of and whatnot. So that'll be pretty big. And then, you know, we're going to see a lot of cross-conference play, which should be exciting. But we'll talk about that later. Coming up next, we're going to talk about power rankings. Alright, what's good y'all? Welcome back 
to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Let's go ahead and talk power rankings. As y'all know, myself and um, the other member of the Playmakers Corner, Cody Stoffer, we both do our own power rankings and then we average it out. Uh, it's based on our opinions um, and what we saw from that following week, plus strength of schedule and stuff that, well, you know, we've seen from other weeks. But at number one, still is Ottawa. Cody did say they got a huge win over their biggest threat to the KCAC crown, at least in his opinion. He said the Ottawa QB, Madison Carrera, is making a very strong case for MVP so far this season with 14 total touchdowns through four games. Not to mention this defense has only surrendered 26 points all season. Defense wins championships. Uh, I, As for my reason, I just couldn't take them out the number one spot. But let me talk about this number two spot here, um, which Cody also ranked at number two in Kaiser University. He said, major key alert, shutting out St. Thomas before these power rankings. Kaiser could have blown this game way more open if it weren't for some mental errors. But ultimately, it did matter as Kaiser proves to be top of the Sun Conference and increasing their distance for me i'm not even gonna lie i highly considered putting kaiser over ottawa but as of right now ottawa is i believe the only undefeated team in the country and so i can't put them over them quite yet if ottawa was to lose the game in my opinion i think i would put kaiser number one but kaiser very good team there they're looking dangerous jasmine roden is probably one of the best quarterbacks if not the best quarterback in the country right now and so there you go there at number three, we have Thomas University. Obviously, I put them here because they just had a very good weekend going 2-0 against quality opponents that were in the top five last week. Cody put Thomas at three because, well, he said when you beat the number three team, you move to number three. Thomas University went to Florida during the Tampa Bay Showcase uh, and left the weekend 2-0 against Florida teams in close games. That shows guts and grit for a new program that showed no remorse for knocking out Florida teams in Florida. Great recruiting win as well, which stinks for the in-state teams, which he is also right. That is definitely something to keep in mind there. I'm sure some, uh, you know, young players, high school players that were at the showcase got to watch Thomas play and said, hmm, maybe that could be me someday, you know? We'll see, but Thomas University right behind Kaiser here at number three. Uh, at four, I put St. Thomas here. Uh, Cody would actually put St. Thomas at five. So I'm going to read his reasoning before talking about mine. Uh, he was pretty tough. He said, teams who did not inspire me to be a national contender. And then he put St. Thomas. After obliterating whatever good thing Florida Memorial got going, St. Thomas failed entirely, that's in all caps, to capitalize off of some opportunistic Kaiser mistakes and left the end of this week with a goose egg. That does not bode well for you in the power rankings. Uh, for me, look, St. Thomas, they had their opportunities against Kaiser uh, and they couldn't get it. I think this was a pretty close game. I mean, I'm not going to say that they failed or that, you know, they're super disappointing or anything like that. For me, I obviously have them at number four. I think this is a very fair spot. Uh, they're four and two right now, so I think they're more than okay. You know, that Florida Memorial win was pretty big. Uh, Kaiser, they're the top team in the Sun Conference for a reason, and for that, you know, St. Thomas is ranked 
under Thomas or yeah Thomas University and Kaiser and Ottawa so there you go there at number five I put Warner obviously Cody put Warner at four I put him at five uh for me the reason I put them at five and why they're at five here on these rankings is because they've lost two weeks in a row here uh for me that's that's not the greatest thing and so that's why they're dropping here cody has them at four he said i'm only dropping warner one spot for losing a pretty close one to thomas despite the fact they arguably have the advantage of not coming off of a back-to-back -back. regardless this isn't a bad loss but this weekend's doubleheader they will play uh they play will tell us a lot. What I don't know what he's trying to say here. That's just bad grammar. He said this weekend's double header will basically tell us a lot about them as well as their matchup on Tuesday to see if they're for a for real national contender or not. Um, I'm not completely out on Warner yet. I acknowledge that they're a young team still gelling, so there's no issues there for me. But, you know, they did lose two weeks in a row. I feel like putting them at five is appropriate. Still in the top five, though. Now, at number six, we have St. Mary's finally moving up here. Uh, Cody said... St. Mary's showed me way more in their matchup against Ottawa than Kansas Wesleyan did. And for that reason, they got bumped up. Also, when you don't play and other teams play and lose and then barely get by an incomplete team, you move up more. On, and then he said more on that below. Um, I'm moving St. Mary's up. I mean, like Cody said, they had a good game against Ottawa, took care of business against Cody here, uh, and then Kansas Wesleyan, I mean, they're dropping one spot. Uh, I have them dropping just because, I mean... You know, that was a pretty close game against Cotty. They had to come back and win that one. And for that, I gotta at least drop them one spot here. Cotty's a team that they probably could have beat a little bit easier here. And that's no disrespect to Cotty here. But we're just nitpicking in these rankings. I mean, it's a difference of one spot. So not the biggest thing there. Uh, Cody did say about Kansas Wesleyan, in their opportunity to show they weren't the little sister school anymore, Kansas Wesleyan got pucked by Ottawa and will not be awarded for barely getting by Cody, whom they previously clobbered. Their lost Ottawa was uninspiring and they better be prepared for the road trip to Florida because if they come out that flat again, they will be very sorry on the trip home. I feel like that is a lot tougher and a little unfair as far as opinions go. I think Kansas Wesleyan, I mean, in that Ottawa game, it was definitely a little closer than maybe he even realized and whatnot. I mean, you know, they 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 had their chances, right? But a very big fourth quarter from Madison Carrera and that Ottawa squad put that away. And so they were in a position to at least, you know, make it close. This time around, it just didn't work out. And so I'm not as disappointed in Kansas Wesleyan here. I am interested to see how this Florida road trip goes. I think if they could really, I mean, honestly, if they could win some of these games here, they could potentially crack uh, the top five here, which as of right now, this top five for basically the last couple weeks have been dominated by the Sun Conference. The only uh, KCAC team up in here is Ottawa. And so we'll see if Kansas Wesleyan, you know, could show that they're about it uh, on this trip to Florida. Um, at number eight, we both have Weber. I mean, look, I can't drop them. Uh, they lost kind of a close one to Thomas. I mean, they had a chance to win. That's like a one-score, two-score game. Um, and they didn't. You know, and so that's just unfortunate there. 
They can't find their footing, though. They play a lot of games in Week 5. Um, almost half of their games, it feels like, this season in Week 5 here. And so they could really turn it around here. But for now, I have them at 8. I'm not going to drop them below Florida Memorial quite yet. But Cody said about Weber, another week and another dreaded L for Weber against the new kids on the block uh, in Thomas University. This is a very good game, though, and it inspires me just a little bit that if Weber can learn to finish, that they could turn their season around quick. Like I said, they have a whole ton of games here in Week 5, and so Weber, they could they could leap up here into the top 5 as well as Kansas Wesleyan, so we'll just have to see about that. At number 9, we have Florida Memorial University here. Cody said, not exactly how you wanted to follow up your showing against Thomas, but FMU came out flat and uh, finished flat against St. Thomas, who absolutely romped them. My hope is that these young players have a short memory and show me this is a one-time thing with all these silly but definitely costly mistakes. Definitely fixable. Uh, you know, Florida Memorial, I know, is going through some injuries over there. They had some players come back for the St. Thomas game, but I don't know if they're 100%. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Florida Memorial will have a couple weeks off here. So, you know, we won't talk about them for a minute here. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how they respond here in the second half of their season, basically. So there you go. At number 10, uh, I am actually moving Cody College up in here. Cody had Cody at 11, but, you know, I'm going to move them up here because they really showed me something against Kansas Wesleyan, and they didn't have their captain, Kenzie Murdoch, in uh, that game. And so that's very impressive for me. I think if their offense could be a little bit more consistent and figure it out, this team uh, could uh, find us uh, some heat. You know, find some momentum uh, near the end of this season and possibly upset one of the teams in the top 10. But, you know, personally, I'm going to put them in the top 10. And on our official rankings, they are going to be top 10. Cody said about Cody, so close against Kansas Wesleyan. To show that a big... Um, that to show that big of a turnaround after getting smashed by those same Coyotes only a couple weeks ago. I believe it was... <laughs> literally just the following week um he said should turn some heads this is a team that is playing with one arm tied behind their back and i'd be surprised if they don't pull an upset sooner or later so there you go i mean you know they've they don't have the biggest roster and they have been losing players here in these last couple games and so we'll just see about Cotty. but you know definitely improvements game by game which is why i am gonna have them here in the top 10 here cracking the top 10 at 11 we have milligan obviously cody put milligan at 10 uh about milligan he said milligan season starts today march 11th when this episode comes out uh basically he said we will see uh, just what they're made of because the teams coming to play them are starving for bounce back wins will milligan let them or show us a side of the program that's physical and will leave with an upset from this weekend we will see. There will be a couple Milligan games that we'll talk about here later. But for now, they're at 11. At 12, we have Midland. Uh, Cody said, sad to see them cancel a game, but maybe it's for the best as these young quarterbacks get more time to practice, develop uh, chemistry, and compete. Same. I mean, they didn't play a game this last week, so we'll just have to see how that goes and whatnot going into these next couple weeks here. Hopefully, they get better, though. Then last but not least, we have Xavier at number 13. All Cody said, the same old, same old here. And uh, yeah, same. I mean, 
We'll see if they play more games, but uh, they're at 13 until they win one or until they get into a competitive game. So, yeah. So, there you go. That is your PMC Power Rankings for Week 4 here. Uh, just to go over it one more time. Number 1, we got Ottawa. Number 2, we have Kaiser. Number 3, we have Thomas back in that top 3. Number 4, we have St. Thomas. Number 5, we have Warner. Number 6, we have St. Mary's. Number 7, uh, we have Kansas Wesleyan at 8. Uh, Weber, 9, Florida Memorial. At 10, welcome to the top 10, Cotty College. At 11, we have Milligan. At 12, we have Midland. And at 13, we have Xavier. So there you go. Those are the power rankings for week four. Sure, it's probably going to change a lot after week five. Because like I said, there will be a lot of games. And speaking of week five, let's talk about some of the games that will show up here before we talk Playmakers of the Week and talk a little bit of high school football here. Alright, so this week five, we have a bunch of games on board. I'm just going to talk about all of them real quick here. Just go down the line. Um, this is a pretty pivotal week for a lot of squads. Like I said, got a lot of cross-conference play here, which obviously will affect our power rankings. And for each of these teams, we'll get them a good feel for some of these teams. They may not play until nationals. So just going to throw that out there. But on March 11th, uh, Friday, so if you're listening to this, either these games have already happened or they're happening right now. Uh, so here we go here. We got Warner versus Kansas Wesleyan. That will be played at 11 a.m. Eastern time, or at least that's what it looks like here. After that, we got Weber versus Milligan, played at 1 p.m. Eastern. Warner versus Milligan, played at 3 p.m. Eastern, and boom, there you go, those are all the games for Friday there, uh, Milligan playing two uh, games against Sun Conference teams, so we'll see if they could get on the board here, or make some noise, get out of this uh, bottom half of the rankings, obviously, and then Kansas Wesleyan, their first cross-conference game against a Warner squad, who's looking for a dub, you know, uh, some tough losses the last couple weeks, so this one should be a good one, for sure. Then on Saturday, March 12th, we have Weber versus Milligan at 9 a.m. Eastern. Milligan versus Thomas University at 1 p.m. Eastern. After that, we have Thomas versus Kansas Wesleyan at 3 p.m. Um, and then it, I think this is a glitch, but it says Weber versus Kansas Wesleyan also at 3 p.m. But I'm sure that will be at a different time. So we will see about that. Kansas Wesleyan playing two more games here uh, to end their little Florida road trip against a Weber team who is reeling right now. And then a Thomas team who, you know, is kind of on fire and is finding their footing here in the Sun Conference. So we'll see what Kansas Wesleyan can do against them. And like I said, Milligan, they're playing Weber and Thomas, two teams um, who have, I mean, I just talked about them. So there you go there. And then March 15th, I believe that is a Tuesday. We have Warner versus Ottawa at 3 p.m. Eastern. Ottawa going to Florida, taking their own little Florida road trip here, kind of at the mid-season point. Uh, they'll be going on and playing Warner with a chance, uh, with a shot at the number one team in the country. 
Ottawa playing a team in the top five for the first time uh, this season. So we'll see how that goes. Then on March 16th, uh, Wednesday, the next day, we have Thomas versus Ottawa. Uh, so that'll be a good one as well at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then at the same time, Cotty versus Milligan will be playing at 1 p.m. I believe that's Eastern. I want to say maybe it's Central Time. And then we have Weber versus Ottawa at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, obviously, Weber reeling, trying to find their footing. Uh, Ottawa on fire. We'll see if they could uh, rack some quality wins against Thomas and Weber here. And then last but not least, on March 17th, uh, that is a Thursday. We have Midland versus St. Mary's at 1 p.m. Central Time. That should be a good one. They had a pretty good rivalry last year. So going into this year, it should be very interesting to see what goes on. All right, now let's talk Playmaker of the Week. We have a couple candidates here. Uh, number one, Holly uh, Nahar or Nair. Oh my gosh, I need to figure out that name. But the quarterback from St. Thomas, uh, she had a very good performance versus Florida Memorial. 70% completion rating, 17 of 24 for 204 passing yards, four touchdowns and a pick. Uh, she only played basically three quarters. So there you go. They're huge in that rivalry dub. Then we have Janae Scott versus Warner specifically here. Uh, first off was part of the defense that held them to zero points, but also had about a 42-43 yard pick six that would put away that game against a pretty good Warner offense that was averaging near 30 points a game. So there you go. Um, always, I mean, Madison Carrera, you know, she's been killing it. She, against uh, Kansas Wesleyan, went 20 of 34 for 211 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, 15 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, and then from today's game, um, March 10th, we have Jasmine Roden against St. Thomas. She went 18 of 27 for 190 passing yards, three passing touchdowns and a pick in that 19-0 dub versus St. Thomas. Uh, Emma Wagonman, I believe, I, I gotta give her a shout out. She had 10 receptions for 91 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown, just doing a lot of that dirty work, you know, getting those first downs and uh, setting up some easier downs for Kaiser as they do knock off uh, St. Thomas here. But, the playmaker of the week for week four here has to go to Janae Scott of Thomas University. That pick six was huge against Warner and is a big reason why they had so much momentum in that game. Also, obviously, she played against Weber as well. And, you know, they only allowed one touchdown of this last weekend. And she was part of that great defense over there. So, got to give her huge props there. But that pick six would end up being vital in that momentum for Thomas University. So, there you go. Your week four playmaker of the week is Janae Scott. All right, now for a quick transition here, we're going to give a pretty quick girls high school flag football update. I know Florida has started their season this past week officially here, and Arizona has started their season this past week. For Arizona, we don't have too much information here. Uh, we know Hamilton is 3-0, a very good start for them over there, and so they're looking like one of the top dogs over there right now. 
over in Florida here. I want to talk about two teams that we've done uh, breakdowns on players and, you know, definitely have a good little friendship with some of those players and coaches over there. But uh, Newsom High School, you know, we broke down their quarterback, Devin Silvestri, the receivers, Madison Ludwig and Kayla Ludwig. And then last year, obviously, Jade Hickey, who is now with uh, Warner University as she did graduate last year. So there you go. Uh, That's our connection with Newsom. But we want to cover them still as, you know, Devin, she is in her senior season season and whatnot and so real quick you know they started the season beating warden 41 to 0 i believe tonight they played plant city i haven't checked whether they've won yet or not but in that warden dub Devin, she had three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown also snagged an interception on defense then madison ludwig uh, led with nine tackles and one tfl and then leonard high school another team that we've done uh breakdown to players from over there uh shout out to coach combs as well you know we broke down the film of emma Bolaco. Caitlin Sigmundy uh, and Deja Fanning over at Leonard. But Leonard would beat Lakewood Ranch to start their season 24-0. Their sophomore quarterback, Abby Elwell, uh, threw four passing touchdowns. Emma Blocko grabbed one of those passing touchdowns there. And then last but not least, we just want to go ahead and wish... All the young quarterbacks and football players are going to be at the Elite 11 here in Orlando. Um, many of those are girl high school flag football players. You know, we discovered a couple of those football players from last year's Elite 11 over there. And so this year, at least the ones that we know are going to be there that are from Florida. Our Devin Silvestri from Newsom High School, obviously a senior. Uh, she's going to be going to the Elite 11. You have Abby Elwell, the sophomore quarterback from Leonard, class of 2024. She'll be at the Elite 11. You have, oh my gosh, I think it's... Uh, Mikey or Meek Rowe from Alonzo High. Um, she's a quarterback, junior this year, class of 2023. She'll be there. Uh, Titi Comer from Bloomingdale, the quarterback. She's a senior. She'll be there along with her receiver slash DB Grace Elliott. Another senior will be there as well. So for now, that's all we know of that's going to be at the Elite 11, which will be uh, in Orlando on March 15th, uh, obviously. Or sorry, March 13th, not March 15th. So Sunday, March March 13th, obviously the Elite 11, you know, they produce the best quarterbacks, best football players in the country. If you get invited, you're obviously an elite type of quarterback or offensive player. And so that is huge. Congrats to all those players that will be going over there and competing and hopefully learning some new stuff over there in the second ever um, women's flag football Elite 11, basically. So, uh, so yeah, congrats to all of them. All right, that will wrap up the Playmakers Corner podcast. Thank you so much for rocking with us. If you want to follow us on our social media so that you can know when episodes are dropping or just see new content and stuff like that, uh, go ahead and follow us, uh, subscribe to us, whatever, at Playmakers Corner on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, And then also go ahead and find us on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, Subscribe, follow us there. You know, we do live streams on Twitch, just breaking down football film and all that. Uh, We'll probably do a couple uh, football players from um, this uh, 
this NAI level here when the season is over since we've watched them so much. So we'll do a couple of those there. But for now, we are doing football film breakdowns there so that you, you know, the athletes and some coaches could uh, hopefully get something from it, you know. So there you go there. Uh, and then just in case you missed those Twitch live streams, the full thing is always uploaded on our YouTube channel at Playmakers corner and then the audio from that is also uploaded to uh all major streaming platforms whether that's spotify apple podcast uh google podcasts even you know by the way while you're there go ahead and like us give us a good rating and leave us a good review we really appreciate that but all that stuff will be uploaded to there uh pretty much every week so there you go there and then Mondays and Wednesdays you know we are covering Colorado football for the most part doing film breakdowns of seniors mostly and then eventually other players uh, as uh, these weeks go on just to uh, give them a little bit of exposure so uh, so yeah but other than that thank you so much for rocking with us oh my goodness week five it's gonna be electrifying we'll see y'all next Friday peace <laughs>